that they're loved to death in a nice way. You don't have to over-love them. But So the church will be filled with grandparents, teacher Mima. Uh, there's about 30 kids from the preschool. They're going to present like a little 20-minute program, and it's all about Jesus. And it's going to be just a kind of a, just a, a, an amazing Sunday. After service, going to be a shorter service, and go from 10.30 right to 11.30. And then as we leave, we're going to invite people to kind of come up and take family pictures around the trees and just kind of be a family. And very few times do, like, church family and school family kind of come together. So we're going to see what happens. Does it sound good? So come. Uh, be ready just to love on people. Be ready to just see what God has for our church. As we leave, we're going to have some refreshments outside. And we're just going to fellowship outside. And so don't run off because what we want you to do is to kind of connect with them. And what great opportunity. Some of them have churches, and, and, and we're not trying to take them from the churches. But a lot of our preschool families really don't have a church. And if they come and the Holy Spirit draws them, then we, that's what we're praying for. Amen? And so they're going to be here because their kids are singing. They're going to be here because their grandkids are singing. Uh, but when, once they're here, guess what God can do, right? They have placed them in our Christian preschool for a reason. Sometimes we don't know that reason. Maybe because we're the, the least expensive in town. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's smaller and it's a little more like a family and Mima does that. It's not as maybe educationally like structured and some kids aren't quite ready for that. And we believe that God has over 30 years ago started the preschool. So we're going to have a really fun Sunday along with the CLC kids, along with I think Ruth and Abigail and, and the Pritchard kids are going to come and sing. I don't think Zeke's going to sing, but he'll, he'll be there doing his Zeke thing. So. so the beginning of the year, we started talking about what does a praying church look like. And so we're on an adventure. And we've began to learn what a praying church is and what a praying people are. And so we're going to take a next step in kind of calling the church to prayer. And so Tom's going to come and just kind of share a little bit of kind of an opportunity for you to take that next step in prayer. So here we go, Tom. Okay, so CLC again. Uh, this is about our fifth or sixth year where we're entering into a season of prayer and fasting, and we like to take January. We like to take January because we, we see what God does through the whole year. And so what we're seeing from like Sean Knox, and we're praying for direction for our lives. If you're a young person and you want direction for your life, uh, there is a great way to do it, a prayer and fasting. And we're going to give a lot more instruction before we go into fasting this year. So Guy has volunteered. To, uh, we're going to be putting things in the bulletin, but we may be using uh, Guy's uh, Wednesday night home group maybe like two weeks, and then we're going to be given instruction. So, you know, when you go to take a test or something, you want to be well prepared. You want to know. You want to be the best at what you can be. When I was young, I liked to get on the starting line up front. Now that I'm older, I want to get a few steps back so I don't get run over. But I do still want to have the advantage, and so that's what we're going to do. So instruction, teaching, those things that are necessary to understand what fasting really is, why it's important, why, why God said that we should do it, and then there's a lot more that I want to say about what has happened to me personally 
and there's a lot of testimonies that we're going to be sharing together that will encourage your hearts. So we're going to enter into that. We have books in the back. Those are really great books that will t- uh, teach you, that will give you answers to a lot of what you want to ask. But we will be answering as many questions as we can in those Wednesday nights. As a church, we've been talking about holy experiments. Uh, so Tom's been fasting. I, I'm, I, I, fa- I fasted a bit, not a lot. And like, for me to jump in and just start like fasting and praying, I would feel lost. And so if your pastor's a little bit lost, I'm sure some of you would be lost too. So what we're saying is like, let's kind of learn together, learn from one another. Uh, you, I know Tom has a 21-day fast called a Daniel fast. I kind of shared with Tom, it may be, oh, uh, you fast for the very first time and you just kind of see what God does. Maybe it's one day a week. And you learn, and you grow in that. And so let, we're going to let the Holy Spirit kind of set that standard. But we're going to kind of explore it together. And we get, and I think a holy experiment is a good word. Because we go in saying, Lord, I'm not sure what you have in store. Maybe this is an area in the, in the words of the, kind of the Spirit and Scripture that I don't know a lot about or haven't experienced. But Lord, help begin to lead me into your heart. And so that's kind of one thing that we're doing at the beginning of the uh, kind of the year together. So more information. We're going to send clipboards around. We are doing a uh, Christmas progressive dinner on Saturday night. And you're all invited. And we're starting at the church. Then we're heading over to the McCornacks. And then from the McCornacks, we're going to be going to the gas bars. We're going to end with a big Christmas sing. We're going to carol in between. It's 10 bucks a person. We're going to do lasagnas together. It's going to, we're, going to, we're going to have fun together. Last night we worked together. How many worked last night? On the, on, a lot of you worked. And so next Saturday night, we're just going to have some, some kind of CLC family fun. You can drive yourself. You can jump in a vehicle. One of the uh, gals said, I don't drive at night. If I get here, can, will somebody drive me around? I said, absolutely, and we'll take you home. So don't let driving and, and that whole thing will, will accommodate you. And we'll start off at the church real comfortably. We'll have just kind of a hangout time. We'll play some fun Christmas games. Uh, and we're going to end the night. Uh, the Slauson family are going to do like a big like Christmas thing together. And we just get a visit and just be part of what God has called us to do. Does that sound good? Everybody said? Okay. Don't miss it. Because if you miss it, you're not going to be happy. So right after service, we plan, there's a number of families missing today, but we're going to have a real brief uh, Christmas uh, song practice. So kind of stay in. Uh, Felicia needs some help, and Leah, and we need some help just moving all the clothes. We're going to kind of move them into the sanctuary, and we'll kind of lay them out on the back pews. And uh, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., all those who aren't working, we're going to do a Vine Street cleanup party. So we're not doing anything today but church. And then we're going to, 9 a.m., we're, we're going to head to Vine Street and kind of pull that set down, and that would be awesome. Let's have the ushers come forward. Wow. Bob's pretty good in the ladder. He, did, he was on the ladder this week, putting together that great scene. You also, I think you helped pour a little apple juice last night, huh? And you're ringing bells on the 18th. 
So Lord, thank you for the call to serve others, to fall in love with you, to worship you, to be givers. Lord, this first offering is for you. The second offering is for you, but towards missionaries, Lord. So as we, even in kind of a crazy December, take two offerings, that maybe doesn't make a lot of sense. But Lord, we are giving people. And we're going to be missionally kind of right here and then around the world. So Lord, uh, bless the, the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I have a new friend. Her name is Leanne. Uh-huh. Leanne. Leanne. And she's going to play a Christmas number for us. And so she's part of the Reed family, so kind of come on up. And uh, thank you for, we want to use each other's gifts, right? And so the McCormick said, like, we'll open our home up, and I, that's one of their gifts. Uh, playing the piano, leading worship, uh, prayer, Bible study. So just kind of head on up there, and uh, we'll enjoy. You're going to play Noel, is that correct? our kids are in classes. Uh, amen. Again, thank you for last night and all the giving you guys did and all the praying you did. We read scripture. Vicki read scripture. It was beautiful. Uh, it, was, it was really kind of breathtaking to be kind of stepping back and just seeing people kind of crowd into Jesus and hearing the stories through scripture. Uh, Heather uh, read scripture. It was it was. As a pastor, I was just like, Lord, this is what we're to do uh, in our own community and in our own workplaces, in our neighborhoods, and around the world, uh, the hope that comes through Jesus. So Troy is uh, going to come and his wife, and they're going to kind of share kind of where God's calling them. Uh, we went to Argentina together back in 1990, 89 right there. And it's really neat to see what God uh, is kind of calling. So this is our fourth missionary that we've had, kind of a missionary emphasis. And the bulletin is kind of what, as a church, we kind of look like as a missional church. Uh, you'll see uh, different types of people being reached. You see different age groups being reached. You see students reaching. You see adults reaching. You see the hungry being fed. Uh, it's just neat to join what God's doing. And this is what God's doing. So this is, like, we don't support them yet. We're praying, Lord, so everybody who's come so far, we as a church have been behind them for five years or for ten years. And so when God does new things, it's 
I think it's really important that we just say, okay, well, Lord, what else would you have us do as a church? And so that's kind of a neat challenge as a church. We're going, what does it look like to take on a new missionary? To begin to get to know them, to get to pray for them, to uh, become financially kind of connected to them, to be kind of part of their team. And so today's kind of a step of faith. And so at the end of the service, we'll take like a one-time offering, and then as a church, we're going to decide kind of how this looks down the road. And uh, amen. So Troy, and that'd be awesome. Thank you. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Hey, we had a great time down there on Vine Street. Had a little trouble finding a parking space, but once we did, had a great time, and uh, you guys did a great job, everybody who was in the, the manger scene, the living nativity scene, and uh, it was a powerful witness, I want you to know, just a powerful witness, as so many people didn't know Christ. Um, thank you, Pastor Guy, for the invitation. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. You have a great pastor, I want you to know, uh, pastor and his wife. They're great people. We love them. Uh, uh, as as uh, Pastor Guy said, our, our, my, our first real exposure to missions was that missions trip. We had gone to some quick trips to Mexico, but to go for several weeks down into uh, Argentina, and we didn't know at that time, but God was speaking to our hearts about missions. And uh, God does that, doesn't he? He places us in uh, situations. He takes us on trips. He brings people in to speak, and, and, and he begins to seed in our life. And it's that seed as it falls on good soil. Then the Holy Spirit comes and begins to water that seed. And, and, and we don't really know what it's going to look like at that time because all we see is this little tiny seed. And uh, I'm sure there were people back in those days and when I shared, oh, I think God's calling me to missions, they might have thought, I don't know, or uh, I've even had some people discourage me, leadership, uh, saying, well, you're not really uh, prepared, you really don't have the, uh, the education needed, all these things, and, and God just kept saying, it's okay, it's okay, and God took us around and took us his road and uh, sent us to Nicaragua for 15 years we were there. Had great ministry in Nicaragua. God, God poured out his spirit, but uh, in 2011, we came back to the States. Uh, uh, two reasons. We, we came back and, and our, our daughters, to help them, our adult daughters, go through some transition. They weren't doing well coming back after growing up in Nicaragua, coming back to the States. Uh, some bad life choices and, and the effects of those. So um, we asked the Lord if we could stay, and uh, God gave us an opening to pastor in Brawley, California. Anybody happen to know where Brawley is? It is the garden spot of California, let me tell you. God sent me some good places. When I met Guy, we were over in Taft, another garden spot. And, and God sent us to Brawley, and, and God said, I'm going to bake you for a little bit longer. You're not quite done. And he put me back in that easy-bake oven one more time, you know. And uh, the Brawley can get to about 120 degrees anyway. That's hot, isn't it? 120, 25? Well, um... We came, came uh, back to the States, God opened the door so we could pastor, and we were pastoring, and, and we thought that that was going to be our ministry until uh, we retired or Jesus came. 
We, we had no plans to do anything else. We just thought that's where we'd be. Rolled up our sleeves, begin to work for the Lord and do whatever. We saw God do great things. Saw people getting saved, getting discipled, people getting filled with the Spirit. Um, just wonderful things were happening there in the church. And at about the time when things were really starting to take off, God began to speak to my heart. I, I wasn't even in a time of prayer. I was just, I was just sitting there and just thinking about uh, the, all the things that God did in Nicaragua and our ministry there for 15 years. I began to think of the, the 10 church plants that he let us be a part of in, in Nicaragua and, and the pastors that, that he raised up through the Bible Institute there and, and, and then the hundreds of kids that re, uh, received a hot meal every day. It, it just power. We, we really believe in the church. I don't know about you, but I believe that we're, we're in at uh, the time of the church age and God's plan to reach the world is the church. God's plan to touch the world is the church, not just here in the States, but wherever we go. And so um, there, that was our main priority was to plant churches, establish churches. And, and one of the churches that we were at, God just exploded growth there. You're going to see it in a minute as we, I share some uh, pictures with you. But, but that church was, we, we had a radio station and, and we would give the services live, broadcast the services live uh, every Sunday and Sunday night. And, and we'd give really long altar calls. And the reason we did is because we were giving people time to arrive who had been listening to the message on the radio. People would come on uh, bikes, they'd come in taxis, they would, they would walk, they would get there, and by the time we were done with the altar call, we'd have people down front who had been listening to the radio station and gave their lives to the Lord. It was powerful. One time I came out of the church, and, and it, just an exciting place, lots of stuff going on, and this young girl who had gotten saved, hadn't been a Christian very long, came up to me and she said, Brother Troy, Brother Troy, did you hear what happened to my mom? And I said, no, what happened? She said, I, I, um, I talked to my mom, and my mom gave her heart to the Lord last night. And I said, that's great. She said, but every time I tried to pray with my mom, I laid hands on her, and she would cry out in this deep, male, raspy voice and say, take your hands off of me. They burn. They burn. And as she prayed for it, because she didn't know exactly what to do, but she had seen her pastor pray for people. She prayed for her mom and delivered her mom of those demons and set her free. And her mom was in church, not only just her, but her kids came to church. Uh, the whole family came to church. And that's the difference that a church can make in people's lives and in communities. Well, I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about Matter of fact, I'd like to tell you a lot more about the things that God did, but to just share with you in words, I, I don't have the, the words to do it. I'm not that great a speaker, but I have a short video clip I'd like to show you of some of the people whose lives were touched. Would that be okay? And a testimonial of pastors whose, whose lives were changed, who, who were given opportunity to pastor and, and what God did in those churches. So if we could show that really quick, that'd be great. See if we can get that working. Here since we begin the work, when we begin, we begin uh, with about 50 members. In all, we have about 400 people that attend to service. Team came down from Hill Church in California and um, built that building for us. We thank God for so much. When we came to Nueva Guinea, we began to work in homes, teaching the people. 
We started with two families. Now we have several home groups in different parts of Nueva Guinea. Very soon, we are going to start the construction of the church. We had a wooden church, and it wasn't in good condition. We were praying that the Lord would provide the materials. Thank God, we could build a concrete church. Seven years ago, we came to this church. At that time, the church only had 80 people. Hoy en día, después de siete años y medio, tenemos 1,200 personas, 1,300. Now, after seven and a half years, we have 1,200 to 1,300 adults. We also have 1,500 children attending the church. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking of these people. I'm, I'm seeing their faces. I'm seeing my friends. I'm, I'm remembering what God did in their lives. And I, 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 I just kind of had my guard down, you know. And I didn't realize what God was doing, but he was setting me up. And all of a sudden, God spoke to my heart and he said, Troy, what if I put you and Jeanette back in missions again? And I said, you know, because I'm a man of faith, I'm a pastor, right? You know what I said? I said, God, that's not a good idea. <laughs> I said, God, that's not going to work. And I began to tell God all the reasons why he couldn't do that in my life. Can I give you just a little bit of advice today? Don't ever tell God what he can't do, okay? Even in your own life, especially in your own life, don't ever say the words never either. Those are bad words because God's got an angel that's just listening for those words never and then he, no. So after I got done um, arguing, I, I mean praying, I, do you ever do that? Does your prayer ever become an argument, right? If I got done praying... I went upstairs to tell Jeanette what God had spoken to my heart about. Because not that I thought that she would be on God's side, but I thought she might be on my side. And uh, so I went upstairs and I told her. And I was on his side. <laughs> and I just started to cry. And you know what? I cried for days. I just thought, I can't do this, God. How can, how can you ask us to do this again? See, when we first came back from Nicaragua, it was so I could get a surgery that I couldn't get there. We were only supposed to be in California a few months, but the very night that we arrived to where we were staying, we received a phone call from our middle daughter. And on the other end of the line, there was screaming and there was yelling and there were things breaking. And that night, her marriage would end when her husband would attempt to kill her. And then he would go on and he would call me and he'd say, when are you going back to the mission field? Because he couldn't get, wait to get back in there and hurt her again. Then it wasn't very much later than that, that our oldest daughter let us know that she was living with a man who'd been in prison twice and who was now out on parole. And you know what? You can give anybody a chance if they're willing to try, but this guy, he wouldn't try, and he wouldn't work. And then our daughter lost her job, and they lost the place where they were living, and they're now sofa surfing. And then she found out she was pregnant. So it was in the middle of these, these tough times for us. You know, as parents, I think it's harder when your kids leave the home because you can't just say you're grounded, young lady. You know, you're just watching these things unfold before your eyes. And it was at that time we said, God, can we, can we stay in the States now? Can we come back? 
And that's when he let us go to Brawley, which if you know, it's about 127 feet below sea level. And it does get to 126. I have a picture to prove it. But you know what? I loved it there. I thought that that was where we would be. That's the longest I've lived in one house my entire life is when we lived in Brawley. But as God was speaking to us about going back to missions, I'm the one who dragged my feet the most. And I was like, God, we can't. How can we go back? What about the kids? And I finally, finally said, okay, God, I give you my will. I give you my desires. And you know what's amazing? After we said yes to missions and God started putting us back in, the lives of our daughters started to change. We saw a miraculous change in both of them. The oldest daughter who was living with the man out on parole, um, he's out of their lives now. And she's married a great guy. They live in North Carolina. She's a stay-at-home mom. She raises chickens. She's cooking things from scratch. She has gone from this girl we didn't know where she was with this big blue mohawk. She was out there. We just had no idea. And now she's a stay-at-home mom, and she's loving it. She's had another little boy. Her husband loves her. It's such a miracle. And the middle daughter went to counseling because she thought she'd never, ever marry again. She's married to this really great guy. They had a little baby boy last year and named him Baby Troy. We wonder where they got that name from. Was on the phone with her this morning. We've gone from watching our daughter's lives be in shambles to living in stable families. And they, they, can, they can do it on their own. But back when God asked us to do this, we had no idea that their lives could change so dramatically in just a few years. So, and I'm looking, I have like one job and that's to bring a prayer card up. So those, well, we travel around with those pictures of ourselves and we put them in the bulletin for you. And um, we brought a prayer card so you can see our faces and we ask that you would pray for us. Pray for the Dowdies. We have a son and he's actually getting married in February. So it's like God has taken this mom's heart and answered so many things. And look at, it happened, it came to me. Thank you. <laughs> but you know what? Missions is not about us, the missionaries standing up in front of you, going to the mission field. It's about us as a team going. You pray for us, you send us with your finances, with your prayers, and we go as a team to maybe a place that you couldn't go. And everything that God does there, you have a part in that. And we really thank you for your prayers. And you know what? Sometimes God will ask you to do something that is, that is really hard. And for me, when I think of my three grandbabies, this is not going to be the easiest thing. But if you will listen to God's voice and you will do what he's asking you to do, he goes with you and he makes it great. And he, he makes sure that he takes care of you. Amen. Isn't she awesome? This is the third time, the third time I've asked her to sell everything. And once going to Nicaragua, sold all our stuff. Coming back from Nicaragua, we sold all our stuff. And now going back again. We were just displaced. Uh, you were praying for us today, wherever that brother was, praying for the fire victims down in uh, North San Diego County is where we're staying right now. And the house that we're staying in, a missions house, uh, we were called in the, late in the night and told that we needed to evacuate. So we, we haven't been home since Thursday night. Um, but it, we realized how easy it was for us to pack up and go because we just took our clothes. Everything we own is out in the car. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 6? I want to just take a few moments and continue to share our story 
with the backdrop of the story of feeding 5,000 people, the miracle that God did. Because it, I think it relates to our story where we're at. But I think it relates to a lot of you who are here today. I believe that God, you're in some places here right now that God wants to speak to you from this story. God has a miracle for, for your life. Just as God has a miracle for us, God has a miracle for you as well. When I begin to argue, as I said, with God, when I begin to worry about God, how are we going to do this? God began to remind me of what he told the Galatians through the Apostle Paul. He said, uh, are, you, are, are you so foolish that after uh, beginning with the Spirit, you are now trying to attain your goals by your own human effort? And I don't know about you, but, but I, I'm the guy that if, if you come up and you show me how to do something, and, and I, before I get it, I really know what I'm doing because I don't want you telling me what to do, I'll say, okay, I got it. Okay, okay, I got it. And you know what? That tends to transfer over when I'm, I'm with God, too, sometimes. I'll say, okay, God, I got this. And I'll try to do it in my own strength, my own power, my own human effort, as the verse said, rather than relying on the Spirit. And God, is, God has promised us, God has spoken to us as we've gone back into missions. He has promised us that he's going to do it by his spirit. And he has opened doors that no man can close. We thought doors that were shut for good couldn't be opened. God has opened those up. We now are, are reappointed with the Assemblies of God as missionaries to go to Lima, Peru. That wasn't on the, uh, the agenda for us. It, it, and uh, we thought that they wouldn't even want us back. And we spoke to the leadership. And, and their response to us was, Troy, where have you been? Troy and Jeanette, where have you been? You've been gone too long. Welcome back. Welcome home. We, we got that from everybody, and God was just saying, no, this is right where I have for you. And then we were, we were saying, Lord, but uh, where are we going to fit in? We can't go back to Nicaragua. What, what are we going to do? And then God opened up the door for us to go plant an international church in Lima, Peru, a small city of just about 10 million people. I, I don't understand why God, how God works and why he does things. If, if you understand God completely, please talk to me after the service because I don't understand it. God said, Troy and Jeanette, I'm going to prepare you guys to go to a city to plant a church in Lima, Peru, but I, but I got some stops for you before you get there. I'm going I'm to send you to places like Taft, like I said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you there for a while, and, and, and then I'm going to send you to, to Lone Pine. Anybody know where Lone Pine is? We pastored there, and then, then God sent us to Nicaragua, and we were there for 15 years. Then God brings us back, and he says, you know, you're not quite ready for what I have for you yet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you back to the States, and I'm going to send you to this place, this place called Brawley, and I'm going to send you out in the backside of the desert, and I'm going to send you there, and you're going to think you're there forever, but I'm not done in your life, and I'm going to still use you in missions. And out of the blue, God takes us and sends us to a city of 10 million people. I don't understand it. All I know is this, that God chooses to use people that can't do it. Did you hear that? God chooses to use people that can't do it. I'm the person that says, God, I can't do this. God, there's no way I can do it. And I tend to limit God and what God can do by my own limitations. Do you ever do that? You ever limit him? Say, God, you can't do it because I can't do it. God says, what are you talking about? 
No, that's the very reason he's chosen you. That's the very reason he's speaking to your heart right now. Young people, it's the very reason he's speaking to you is because you can't do it. You don't have the talent. You don't have the, the, the skills. God wants to do it. And why does he want to do it like that? Because he wants people to look at what's done and he doesn't want them to see you. He wants them to look and say, you know what? There is no way, there's no way Troy Dowdy did this. <laughs> I know him. Maybe guy's thinking that right now. There's no way, Troy, you know, no way. It had to be God, right? It had to be God. And that's what we want. We want God to see our lives, see our ministry, and say, wow, and lift up Jesus because of it. Well, in Mark chapter 6, the disciples, Jesus had sent them out uh, to, to, uh, to go be with people, to, to uh, minister to them. And in verse 30, yeah, verse 30, 31, they've come back now. They've been out by twos, and they've gone out, and they've, they've ministered in people's homes. They've prayed with people. Matter of fact, these guys have now seen the power of God flow through their hands. They, 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 before they were there and Jesus was doing it, but now they have prayed for people and they've been delivered. They have prayed for uh, people and they've been healed. They've seen God do great things. Now they're back and they're giving this report to Jesus of what he's done. And there's, there's people all around them because now it's just not Jesus. There's 12 more. There's others who have gone out and done it. And they want, people want to, they, they want to see God do something. They want a miracle. They, they want to hear the word of God. And so they've come and they're not giving them any space. And in verse 31, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Father God, in the next few moments, help us, O oh God. Help us to hear from you the word that you have for us today, Lord. That word that you want to sow in our hearts, O oh God, today. That, that, that rainbow word, that, that powerful word, that word that God can bring forth um, a great fruit and a great harvest in our life. Help us to have ears to hear, to open our ears and our hearts to receive from you today. In Jesus' name. It's interesting here that Jesus leads his disciples where? To a desolate place, to a desert place, in some, in, 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 into a place, a lonely place in other versions it says. But to a desolate place. We found ourselves in Brawley, California, and we thought it was a desolate place, I want you to know. We thought that we were forgotten. We thought we're on the backside of the desert. Nobody cares. We're here. We're just here. And, and so, God, we'll just, we'll just bear ourselves here. We'll just work here and, and serve you, whatever. But it was a desolate place. And we, we thought that we were coming to, to, to rest. But there's no resting when you're a pastor. And there's no resting when you're in ministry. And, and, and we thought we were coming to maybe just be alone with Jesus in a sense. But in what God did is he thrust us back into ministry in a desolate place. You see, we don't really see God move in our lives when we're in the good places as much. It, it, it just doesn't happen. We're in this good place, and maybe we thank him for all he's done, but we're not dependent on him. We're not calling out. We're not crying out to him. 
And so sometimes he'll lead us to those desolate places. And in our family, he led us to that desolate place where we got our knees and cried out to him and sought his face. And he, he knows the disciples here. They're on the mountaintop. They've been seeing God do great things through their ministry. And he says, I'm going to take you away from that. And I want to take you to a desolate place. They thought they were going to winter camp. <laughs> they thought they were going to a retreat. They, they, they got ready for their retreat. They got everything together. They jumped in the church van and they were driving off. But no, they didn't get in the, they got in the church boat, right? Let's go on just a little bit further if you got your Bibles with us. So verse 1, come away to this desolate place. It says, for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So these guys who thought they were going to a retreat, got, getting away to rest, because that's what they heard Jesus say, they, they, they went away, and then all of a sudden, here's this crowd of people, this huge crowd of people. Jesus responds one way, and this is what I want you to notice. I want you to notice how Jesus responds and how the disciples respond. Because so many times we respond like the disciples do. But Jesus wants us to respond like he does. And what, is he, what does it say? It says, when he went, to, went ashore, when Jesus went ashore, verse 34, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. Jesus was tired too. He had been ministering too. He had been working. He, he was together with his disciples. He hadn't gotten any alone time. He was he was tired as well, but he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. In other verses, it says that he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion, because that's what compassion does. Compassion's not just a noun, it's, or, or it's not something that just is, it's an action. Compassion compels us. We can't sit back. We, we must do something. We see the need. We see the hurt, and we want to do something. So what does Jesus do? The man, the, the Son of God, who, who sees into our souls and sees into our lives, what does He do? He doesn't give them anything. He doesn't, he doesn't feed them. He doesn't uh, do any compassion ministries with them because the most compassionate thing he could do at that moment was give them the light of God because they were in darkness. So what's he do? He brings out the Word of God and he begins to teach the Word of God to them. You know, there, there's a balance in ministry, isn't there? There's a balance as, as a church, as we reach out. We need to be compassionate. We need to be feeding the poor. We need to be reaching out to the homeless. We need to be, but, but that's not to be in place of the Word of God. Because this is where we'll find life. In, in God's Word and in His presence. I want you to, that's what's going to change somebody's life. Not a plate of food doesn't change their lives. God changes their lives. Yes, it's, it's, it's through that plate of food that they might, they might discover, they might, their eyes might be open, their hearts might be open to what God wants to do in their lives. But it's God's Word. And Jesus, He begins to teach them. He, he begins to uh, 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 minister to them. And it says in verse 30, if I could read it, 35. 
And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, now remember, his disciples, why they were there, right? They were there for a retreat. All these people came. Jesus neglected them. This was supposed to be their time with Jesus. And Jesus wasn't paying attention to them. And he was making them work. And so uh, they come to him. And when they saw the crowd, what was their response? They said, the hour grew late. The disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside so they can get something to eat. So many times that's our response. The need is overwhelming. We don't know what to do. What are we going to do? How are we going to? We can't meet it. Send them away. When I became overwhelmed with what God was going to do and, and, and leading us back to Peru, or to Peru, I should say, and, and to start this church, and I began to worry about how we're going to do it, God reminded me, he said, Troy, I'm going to do it the same way I did it in Nicaragua. When you went to Nicaragua, you didn't know anybody, you were a really green missionary, didn't speak Spanish very well, and, and, and I remember what I did, and I began to remember the miracle that God opened up the door in our ministry. As, 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 as many of you've known, because I know you've been involved in missions and gone on trips, you, you go to some of the third world countries and, and, and there's, there's a lot of poor people, obviously. And, and in Nicaragua, there's, there's a lot of kids and you'd pull up to the intersections at that time and, 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 and kids, little five, six years old, would come up and knock on your window and be begging from you. And, and there was really need. They, they needed to eat. And, and then when the light would turn green, if they hadn't gotten out of the way, they'd just stand really still and the traffic goes by. Can you imagine your son, your granddaughter, your little brother or sister or six years old out in traffic like that? And I began to pray this prayer. When I saw the crowd, I saw the need, I was like the disciples. I said, God, feed these people. God, you need to feed them. You need to do something. Because I knew I couldn't. So God, you need to do it. And one day, after praying that prayer after, for a long time, God answered me, and he said, Troy, you feed them. And I said, Lord, what? <laughs> no, that's, that wasn't my prayer. God, it was you feed them. You take care of them. And he said, you feed them. And that's exactly what he said to his disciples. He said to his disciples here, you give them something to eat. And I, and I began to, this dialogue of prayer with God, of going back and forth, you feed him, you feed him, and, and, and it wasn't getting anywhere. One day, I'm praying in my office, and, and uh, I'm tired of praying this prayer. I'm, I'm praying these words out of my mouth, and hearing the Lord speak to me, and the phone rings, and I pick it up. And a man on the other end of the phone says, this is, says his name, and says he's from South Bend, Indiana. And he asked, he says, are you Troy Dowdy, missionary working in Bluefields, Nicaragua? And at first, I got to tell you, I thought it was a friend of mine playing a joke on me. Okay, I, I, that's because missionaries can be really cruel if anybody. And, and I, I just thought they might be, and I said, yeah, yeah, that's me. And then he began to explain, and he said, I'm with a ministry called Feed the Hungry. And we feed people around the world. We have trucks, we have an airplane, and we have a ship. And we want to fill that ship with tons of food, the Luisa, and we want to bring it, send it to Bluefields, Nicaragua, and feed hungry people. Can you help us? 
Well, I'm not the sharpest tack in the drawer, Pastor Guy, but I figured out at that moment God was doing something. I got all excited, and we began to strategize and plan on the, on the phone because I, I was telling God to get out of the way. I, I can do it. Okay, God, you, you gave me... Got off the phone, and then I began to get worried. Began to break into a cold sweat because how do you bring a ship of tons and tons of food into a city? It, 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 here in the States, it would be hard. But in, in Nicaragua, with the red tape and not knowing anybody, how would I get it in? And so I thought I'd help God out. And I went and found a missionary who had been in Nicaragua for years and, and had a large church and brought food in all the time. And I was so excited. And I just this young missionary, I told him what God had given the opportunity I had. And he looked at me with a really serious face. And he said, Troy, I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's not going to happen. What do you mean it's not going to happen? He said, I just had four containers of food turned away. The government is shutting it down because the rich farmers are, are tired of, of people not buying their crops because people are bringing in food, so they shut it down. So I went to another missionary. I told him what happened. He told me the same thing. He said, I got two containers turned away. I thought, God, why would you give me this opportunity and not let us feed these people? Why would you do that, Lord? Are you cruel? And I began to go through all these arguments in my head. And I don't have time to tell you what God did, but God opened up a door that I could see the president of Nicaragua. This green missionary doesn't speak Spanish very well, and I go in to see the president of Nicaragua, and I leave his office with a letter from him with his signature, with his seal, saying we could bring that ship in. It was incredible. It was incredible. And, and <laughs> the first thing I did, because I'm a really, I'm a man of God, and, and uh, you know, I'm serious, and so I, I took this letter, and I went and showed the other missionaries. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they got all jealous, and they said, how did you do that? How did you? I've never seen the president. How did you get it? How did you do that? And I said, well, I don't know, you know. No, I said, it wasn't me. It was God. I show up at the port. The ship is there, and I show up to the aduana. That's the customs agent, okay? That's the red tape. That's where everything's going to come to see if we're going to get this in. And I'm standing there, and he is the biggest Nicaraguan guy I've ever seen in all my life. He doesn't look friendly. That's his job, to be mean, right? And he's looking at me, and I hand him my papers, kind of trembling, and he looks through my packet, which is real huge, and then he looks at the letter, and he begins to read it. He picks it up, and he reads it. And then he looks at me with this puzzled look. And he reads it again, and everything changes. He looks at me again, he opens his eyes, he smiles, and he says, Don Troy, how can I help you today? He lent his men to help us unload the ship. We filled the churches of, of the city full of food. They couldn't have service on Sunday because they were full of food. We, the, the churches all worked together, all the different churches, and, and we fed hungry people in Bluefields. We sent it upriver. We sent it downriver. We sent it out to the islands, and it was just incredible. People got saved in the crusade we had. It was just a powerful time, and something happened that I never thought would happen. Didn't even think about. God opened a door for us in ministry at that moment that I could have never done by myself. I could have never planned it out. What was I to do? 
I would go up a river. I'd never been there before. The, the kids had never seen a white man before. And I'd go up there and somebody would come up and say, aren't you Brother Troy? And all of a sudden, I was preaching. All of a sudden, they, they would want to come to the Bible school. All of a sudden, we, were, we had these feeding ministries starting up. God just opened the doors, and he says, Troy, I'm going to do the same thing in Peru. Maybe not those exact thing, things, but I'm going to open the door. And it's going to be like the church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelations. He says, I'm going to open up a door that no one can shut. And that's what he does for you as a church as well. God has opened up a door for you to go through as a missional church, as pastors have been talking to you, as you go through. What a miracle it was. The disciples, they said, Jesus, we don't have anything. We don't, we don't have anything. To do. Just send them away. Their response to the desolate place and to not have them was to send the crowd away. You see, they had gone there. We, we read that story, and they say they don't have anything to feed the crowd. But they did. They had brought food from where they were. They had prepared for the trip, the retreat, but they only had enough for them. They didn't want to share, so what did they do? They went and got some little kid and stole his lunch to feed the crowd. You know, that's how missionaries are. I don't have much faith for my money, but I know how, I got a lot of faith for your money. Let me tell you what we could do with it. Jesus takes the bread, five, bread, five loaves of bread, it says. And I don't know about you, but when I think of that miracle, I think of, <laughs> I think of big old hoagie sandwiches, right? Because I want to help God out. God needs help, right? So, and when I think of the fish, two fish, five loaves, two fish, I'm thinking of some big albacore tuna, you know, that you couldn't even carry. You've been out deep sea fishing. But the reality was it was five small rolls and two sardines. It was a boy's lunch, right? It wasn't for everybody. It was just his. And God took that, broke the bread, uh, prayed over it, broke the bread, gave thanks for it, and they fed over 5,000 people. They never saw it coming. They didn't see what God was going to do. But God had bigger plans, and he always does. Today, you came to church today, and, and our idea, your idea of, of what God wanted to do might be a little bit smaller than what you think. But I'm telling you, God's vision is always bigger. What he wants to do is always greater than what you can think of. Because God wants to do things in your life that are bigger than you. Don't limit God by your own limitations this morning. Pastor Guy, thank you so much for letting us come today and to share our, our vision. Our, our story today is our call. And that if God can use Troy and Jeanette, God can use you. Some of you may be sitting here today thinking, well, you know, could God really use me to be a missionary? Could God really use me to do something and, and, or to be a pastor or whatever? I want you to know God can do it in your life. Let him plant the seed and let him water that seed in your life. Just don't get ahead of his agenda. Just go along with his agenda as he opens the doors and he guides you and he directs you. He doesn't need your help to make it happen except for you to be willing. I heard somebody tell me today that too many times, we, instead of seeking God's face, we seek God's hand of provision. And every time we're going to God, we're asking God for his provision when he says, just come to me. Just seek my face. 
and he'll open the doors and he'll provide. Father God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you today that God, you love your church and that God, you have a plan and a purpose for your church. I pray today, Lord, as we have opened your word, as we have read your word, and, and God, as you have revealed the, your power and anointing that you want to do in our lives, help us to be men and women, young people of faith, oh God, who will trust and believe you. God, do your work, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You can just stand up together. We're just going to reach our hands out to you and uh, just pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for Jeanette and Troy and saying yes to you. Last Sunday, we talked about the Christmas story, a story of a lot of people saying yes, where it seemed impossible. Mary said yes. And Joseph had his plan. He wanted to do it with respect. And he said, I'll listen to your words. And he said, yes, I'll take Mary as my wife in spite of her pregnancy. And shepherds said yes, and wise men said yes. And Lord, we want to be a church that says yes to you. Lord, thank you for a great couple that said yes to you, in spite of their questions, in spite of uh, their own plans. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for their story about their children. We lift up their children in Jesus' name to you, Lord. All our children, many of us have stories just like them. We're praying and we're uh, giving our children to you and we're desiring God's very best for them. So Lord, uh, touch the dowdies, we pray. In the months ahead, Lord, with raising funds and the provisions that will only come from you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So as a church, we have a chance to respond. And uh, there are those of you, the Holy Spirit will say, support them, just between you and them. And they're going to be in back. They're going to have their prayer cards. Maybe God will call you to support them $50 a month, or $100 a month, or $20 a month. As a church, we're going to pray as leaders, and we're going to support them in some way. And so as you give of your tithes and offerings, or you give to missions, we have a list of missionaries. And then we're going to have what we call like a one-time gift, where we're just going to bless them today. Uh, you have already blessed them. We put them up in a nice hotel. Uh, Francisco Romo is kind of the manager, and he has a missionary, uh, a missionary broom. I, I've never seen it, but he, it's nice. <laughs> he goes, I want to take care of him, Pastor Guy. Uh, so ushers come forward, and uh, kind of a weird being Christmas, but what a better time to be giving to missions but Christmas. What a better time to say, Lord, what would you have us do as a church or as an individual? What would you have us do, Lord? Uh, maybe not just in this area, but just on the words that Troy and Jeanette talked about. Saying yes in the middle of a mess. Or saying yes in the middle of a desert. Or saying yes when you already thought you heard God and he was already directing you and he begins to reroute you. But Lord, we want to say yes. So Lord, uh, this Christmas season, in this, in this service, Lord, speak to us. Lord, as we give prayers, as we give a, a one-time offering, or as a church, Lord, as we kind of seek God and what we can do as a church, Lord, uh, as we can do as your people to go into all the world and preach the good news. So we thank you right now in Christ's name. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Well, Phil, did you have a lot of fun picking your son up this weekend? Your house is not empty now, huh? Did he have any of his friends over yet? Did they keep you awake? He goes, I'm looking forward to my son, but then all those crazy friends he's going to bring over, it'll be kind of fun. <laughs> so next week, as we uh, invite the preschool over, as we, uh, what a great time just to kind of invite uh, families to be part of the service. Uh, home groups this week, life groups, uh, youth groups, uh, to continue to just kind of press in and say yes to the Lord. Be begin to say, Lord, is, what about this prayer? Lord, do I want to learn how to pray a little better? A little, Lord, help us. So kind of take the things you heard today and kind of walk in them. Amen. You're dismissed. It's great having you. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, each one of you. Thank you, Lynn. Every one of you. Thank you. God bless.